KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. You're listening to the Erev Shabbat program, Erev Shabbat Kodesh, Parshat Varim Gimel Be'av. The Erev Shabbat program is Louis Nishmat Shlomo Yosef and Chaim Shmuel, and I'm your host, Jonathan Snowbell. Additionally, um, we're dedicating the Erev Shabbat program this week in memory of Miriam Eisenberg, Miriam Yochavet Bat Harav Yitzchak, who passed away just recently, this past Yudalit Tammuz, July 6th. She's the sister of uh, one of our regular listeners. Just a few words about who Miriam Eisenberg was. Miriam was Mrs. Chesed. She ran the resource room program at Hill Torah Day School. She was the kiddish lady in her shul. She was the birth coach for many women. She had over count. She had over countless people who had would have been otherwise alone for Shabbat or Yom Tov. She organized countless showers and Shabbat brachot for young couples, people who in situations where these needed to be organized and wouldn't have been organized otherwise. She passed away suddenly, and it. Uh, behooves us in situations of tragedy that we introspect. We don't necessarily, as Rav Soloveitchik uh, talks about in we don't necessarily look for answers to our questions, but we do introspect. And he says this specifically in the context of the Holocaust, where we don't look for answers as to why God did this, but certainly when God does something of this magnitude, it forces us to introspect. This is true in a personal tragedy, and this is true certainly in, during the nine days that we are now in, 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 uh, in the middle of, approaching Tisha B'Av, where we discuss Chorban Abayit. Introspection, evaluation, is always something which has potential to be fruitful and is something that has potential to be pushed under the rug and not and, and not done because it forces us to be in difficult situation. In that vein, we will we will analyze several prakim in Yirmiyahu, several different snippets of Yirmiyahu, in this context, and, and the thing that comes to mind the most is actually something that uh, came up in Dafyomi just very recently. It's, a, it's you know I'm always hesitant to say famous Gemara, but some people would call this a famous Gemara, and if not a famous Gemara, at least it's a famous Maharalmi Prague who evaluates this Gemara, and we will go in the spirit of the Maharalmi Prague. The Gemara says the following. Right, let's start from the Pasuk in Yirmiyot, as opposed to the Gemara. And from the Pasuk in Yirmiyot, which the Gemara is analyzing, we will go to the Gemara. Mi ha'ish hechacham v'yavenedzot v'asher diber pi Adonai lavi agidah al ma'avedah ha'aretz nitzetach hamidbar mibili over. Who is the wise man who will understand this? Who God has spoken to him, and he will tell, and he will say it. For what was the land destroyed? It was lit up to become like a barren desert, 
that no one passes through? That's the Navir Miao's question, and the answer is Vayomer Adonai Al Uzvame Torati Ashamatati Lufnehem Velo Shameru Vekoli Velo Halachu Va Vailhua Hare Shirut Libam Vahara Be Ali Masherli Medum Avutam. And God answers for the, re- the and God says for abandoning my Torah that I gave to that I gave to them and they didn't listen in my voice and they did not go in its path. They went after their desires, the desires of their heart, and they went after the Be'alim, like their fathers taught them. The Be'alim being idol worship. And Rav Yehuda, in the name of Rav, in the Gemara, notices the change between the question and the answer, because the question poses a question to um, for a person to answer who is wise enough, perhaps it's rhetorical because even the next line somehow had to get this answer directly from God he notices that this is a difficult question to answer and he says, They try to get the answer from the Chachamim, and they weren't able to explain it. Try to get, and that's, and that's as Rashi says, Mia Isha Chacham. The Chachamim didn't know. Vasher diber pi Hashem refers to the Nevi'im. Amru Nevi'im below Pershu, and the Nevi'im also couldn't explain this. Ad she Pershu Hakadosh Baruch Hu Ba'atzmo. Shenemar Vayomer Hashem Alozamatardi. God Himself gives the answer. This was something that only God was able to answer. And the Maharal points out, if my memory serves me correct, in Tiferet Yisrael, I'm not sure what, what chapter, one of the earlier chapters in Tiferet Yisrael, what's, why is this such a difficult question? The, the Gemara, I believe in Sanhedrin, well known, says that the first Beit HaMikdash was destroyed because of the three cardinal sins. People were murdering, people were being adulterous, and people were, they did, adulter- they did idolatry. So, you don't have to be a big chacham, you don't have to be a big genius. You just look at the reality, very plain and simple. Uh, you read through the view, and there's immorality, there's, no, there's a lack of justice for the weak people. Uh, you don't have to be a big chacham to figure this out. And yet, somehow, the chachamim couldn't figure this out. And the Nevi'im couldn't figure this out. God Himself came along and answered, Vayomer Hashem Torati. They abandoned my Torah. And clearly, and we're going to see Rabbi Yehuda in the name of Rav's answer momentarily, this is at the crux of the answer here. Clearly, the the sickness in, in, its, in, in its full development was very obvious to everybody as to what happened. As the Nevi'im say, you know, all the three cardinal sins. But 
the question that the Gemara, or not the Gemara, the question that the Navi poses is looking for something a little bit deeper. Al-Zvamitorati. But once again, why is this such a difficult question? And therefore, Rav Yehuda, in the name of Rav, translates this as something much more subtle. And he answers, Amar Yehuda, Amar Rav, Shelo Berechu Batorat Chila. They did not make a bracha before they learned Torah. Now, once again, if my memory serves me correct, the Maharal takes us in a slightly different direction of the Pshat. That the simple Pshat is that they didn't make they did not make Birkot Torah before they learned the Torah. Once again, he says, if it's something so blatantly obvious, and this he calls something obvious, it must be even a little bit more subtle than that. But the difference between the Maharal's explanation and the Pshat of the Gemara is not significant in my eyes, because they're both heading in the same direction, because both of them are really subtle. We're asking for the source of the problem. We're not asking what went wrong when the sickness was fully developed. We talk about uh, a disease, a fatal disease. We can talk about, well, what happened at the end? Well, there was heart failure, and there was brain failure, and there was hemorrhaging. And that's why the person died. Well, that's all obvious, and you don't need to go to medical school for seven years to figure that out. What we need to know is what is at the root of the problem that led to the heart failure, to the brain failure, and to the hemorrhaging. That's what we want to know, so we can nip it in the bud. Because usually when we get to the point where we're just on the eve of heart failure brain failure, hemorrhaging, we're going to have a different, a difficult time stopping it. And we need to stop it much earlier on. And that's what the Gemara is looking for. Well, that's how the Gemara understands the Sukim and the Navi, that we're looking for something that's at the root of the problem. And And the general idea that the Maharal gives is that when we talk about not saying before we learn Torah, it means that God somehow allowed, it was allowed, not God allowed, the people, even in their religious lives, we're talking about people who are learning Torah, whether they actually did not say the bracha, as the Gemara implies, or they did not say it with the right understanding of what the significance of the bracha was, as the Maharal explains, we get to the same point, which is, even within their religious lives, God was absent. There was not a feeling of God's presence in Limuda Torah. And here we could take a, a avenue of talking about people who learn Torah as an intellectual exercise. They don't see it as impacting their lives. They see it as something else to study, like physics or or economics, and then some people also study the Bible, or the Talmud. Because they're interesting, they don't see them as, they don't see the Torah as a topic that instills Yirat Shamaim, instills morality. It's a topic of study to be studied, just like I can study physics and I can lead an immoral life, I can study the Torah and lead an immoral life, there's no connection between the two because the Torah is an area of study. This is the, the route where the Maharal takes. But, 
I'd like to expand it a little bit and say, and take some ideas from your meow and other places as well, that we can lead a religious life on the outside. We can learn Torah. We can even make Virkata Torah. But yet, somehow God can be absent from our lives. And there's another brilliant, brilliant pasuk in your meow, which I want to quote, or he says this again in a different way. He talks about the Rishayim that he's dealing with, and he says, Maduar Derech, this is in Paragud Bet, 12th chapter of your meow, Maduar Derech Rishayim Tzalecha, why is the path of the, the, the of the wicked people successful? And then he describes them in the following manner, Karov You are very quick to appear on their mouths, or in their mouths, or you are very close to their mouths, But you're very far away from their kidneys. And the kidneys, apparently already in Yirmiyahu, but also certainly in Chazal, the kidneys are the source, source of our morality. The kidneys are our insides, where we strive our, where we, where we dig deep and face moral challenges. And, uh, the Gemara describes Avraham having his, his, his two kidneys arguing within him about what to do in certain situations. And the kidneys are the source of morality, and what Yirmiyahu is describing, and I'll say it once again, You can be on their lips all the time. They could be saying God's name and Bezrat Hashem and Baruch Hashem and all of this. But the question is, or we'll take it one more step forward, they could be leading a religious life. But in reality... God has no impact on their lives. It's very external. It's not something that's internalized. It's not something that's really leading the life in a deeper sense. And when God is far away, even when we're leading a religious life, then it's very easy for ourselves, and if not ourselves, our children, to see the lack of sincerity in this, and walk away from it completely, and see there's no God here, even when one is leading religious life, there may be no God in the picture. And then, abandon the whole thing. Well, if there's no God when we're leading a religious life, then why am I leading a religious life? And then, from here, to Abu Dazara, Shichut Damim, Gilui Ariyot, the three cardinal sins, the path is a short path. And if not a short path, then perhaps an inevitable path. This phenomenon of leading a religious life, but absent from real contact with God, I think expresses itself in another place in your meow as well. And I think I may have discussed this, although not textually 
earlier on this year because it, I remember it gripping me when I saw it. God describes to Yirmiyahu in Perak Yudalad, and he says it several times in, in a series of Perakim in around chapter 14 in Yirmiyahu, God says to them, Don't pray for this nation for the good. When they fast, I don't listen to their prayers. When they sacrifice offerings, I do not want them. They will be destroyed by the sword and by starvation and by plague. And Yirmiyahu challenges God, and he says, "Vaumar, aha, Hashem Elokim, Hine Anevim Umrim Lahem, Lo Tiruchera Verav Lo Yelachem, Kishlomem Etetem Lachem Amakom Azeh." God says, Yirmiyahu says to God, "But God, the prophets are telling them that they're not going to see the sword, and there's not going to be a starvation. They're going to have peace. How can we blame them?" And God answers, But the prophets are prophesizing in my name lies. I did not send them. I did not command them. I did not speak to them. Everything that they're saying, all their visions are lies. Tricks. And God goes on to say how I'm going to punish these false prophets. But he goes on and continues to say, The the nation that they are prophesizing to will be thrown out into the outskirts of Jerusalem from, from starvation and from the sword and no one will bury them them and their wives and their sons and their daughters. And the question is, how did God answer Yirmiyahu's question? Yirmiyahu said the Nevi'im are telling them this. In other words, their religious world justifies their lifestyle. Yeah, you could do what you're doing, it's fine. Everything is going to be okay. And God answers the the Nevi'im are I mean, but the Nevi'im are prophesizing lies. How does that answer the question? And I think that the answer to the question is between the lines. In my humble opinion, is that a person who leads a true religious life with God guiding his path, and not some routine rote religious life where we go through the motions and we don't really introspect to ask ourselves what does God want from us? So we just go through the motions, do the motions. That is a life that can be fooled by prophets and be led to believe that yeah, this Avodah Zarah is not so bad, it's okay, and the fact that we're treating the, the orphans and the widows and the poor people and the way we're treating them, that's all fine. As long as we're bringing sacrifices to the Beit HaMikdash, everything is fine. 
that type of fooling ourselves and believing the prophets is really our own fault. Because a God-fearing Jew, a Jew who leads his life based on the path that God is leading for him, will not be fooled, not by his own actions, not by the words of false prophets. And that becomes the nation's fault themselves. They can't blame the prophets because, as God says, they're prophesizing lies. And if I add what I added in between the lines, if you knew God, if you did not abandon the Torah, if you made Birkot Torah, or if you made Birkot Torah with the right understanding, in other words, common denominator of all of this, if you let God lead your life, and you were concerned with what God wants from your life, you wouldn't be fooled into, into believing the lies of these prophets. You wouldn't be fooled into thinking that a religious lifestyle allows you to do whatever you want as long as you bring sacrifices to the Beit HaMikdash. You wouldn't be fooled into thinking that the Beit HaMikdash is eternal and it will never be destroyed. Someone who has God in their life, truly has God in their life, will see the truth, despite what the Nevi'im and the leaders tell, say, they'll know what the right behavior is. And they will not be able, someone who does not have God in his life, will not be able to hide behind the Nevi'im and the leaders and say, well, my rabbi told me, my Navi told me. That's not acceptable. And God says, the nation that listened to these Nevi'im, they're going to be punished just as, just as, just as well as the Nevi'im themselves. Because they have a responsibility on their own. And a God-fearing Jew, a Jew who allows God into his life, understands what's demanded of him. And this is something that we have to do, and we cannot take for granted, as religious Orthodox Jews. Just because we lead a religious Orthodox life, or pardon me, just because we lead an Orthodox life, just because we go through actions, even if we learn Torah, we're not necessarily allowing God from our mouth into our kidneys. We are not necessarily understanding the connection of what we're doing to godliness. And then we may put on tefillin, put on a talit, but we might not treat other people with respect. We might not be concerned with the poor people, with the less, with the less fortunate people. We might be pushing them aside. We might be selfish people. We might think that doing some routine religious actions will atone for what we really are as people, and that's not true. We have to be concerned that we're not Orthodox Jews, but that we're religious Jews. And when I say Orthodox, I mean doing certain actions. And when I say religious, I mean devout people, people who God is in the forefront of their religious experience. And a person who God is in the forefront of their religious experience will understand the need for justice, 
the need for the correct behavior, the need for fearing God. And then, when there's a sincere Avodat Hashem, we have dealt with the problem, and the sickness will not fester and develop and lead to the ultimate Khurban that Am Yisrael experienced in Khurban Bayit Rishon that Yirmiyahu was describing, nor in Khurban Bayit Sheni. And that ultimately we can correct our mistakes and lead to the building of the next Beit HaMikdash, Bimirav Yameinu. Speedily in our days, I apologize for taking a little bit too much time this week. Shabbat Shalom.